The mid-morning sun shone brightly in the sky as the soft, fluffy clouds lazily sailed around it. A light, cool breeze flowed through the air, bringing with it the scent of freshly blooming flowers. On such a perfect spring day, who could possibly stay inside? Even though it was a weekday, you decided to call out from work and enjoy a walk around the park to finally shake those last chills of winter from your bones. Rounding the corner on the pathway, you see a playground filled with children laughing and running around while a couple of adults looked on. You smile as you walk by, glad to see other people have the same thought as you to play hooky on such a pleasant spring day. Coming up to a fork in the path, you see a small grove of trees off to the left and decide it would be nice to continue your stroll in that direction. The shady grove felt welcoming from the moment you entered, and it felt nice just to wander on the path by yourself. A shadow flits across your peripheral, just enough that you turn back to look at the trees. Probably a child playing, you whisper to yourself. Children are always finding new ways to make a simple game of tag or hide-and-seek more exciting than possible. Though you turn to check again, and there's an oddly shaped rock with writing on it that you didn't see before. Approaching the edge of the path, you stop cold as you realize it's a gravestone right in the middle of the park. Probably best to get out of here, you say to yourself, as the shady grove of trees no longer feel just as welcoming. Continuing on the path, picking up the pace just a little, you start to miss the open feel with the bright, warm sun on your skin. As you look around, there's a tree with some carvings on it. Getting closer, a chill runs through you as you read one of the more elaborate carvings. Don't stop. Just keep walking. Don't talk to him. As a small panic sets in, as you read those last four words, you pick up the pace even more. People are always carving weird things into the trees nowadays, but that one seemed absurd. You're not sure why it frightened you so much. You finally see the end of the grove just up ahead, and find yourself at a slight jog to escape the shadows. As you quickly check over your shoulder to make sure you're not being followed by any creeps, or something else, you nearly fall over as you turn forward and see a kid appear right in front of you. He wasn't there just a minute ago, was he? He's probably here playing a game of hide-and-seek with his friends, that's all. Though something doesn't quite feel right as he's standing too still for a child. Instincts tell you to cut through a few trees on the right to get to the open field, but you feel as though this kid might need help for some reason. Carefully approaching, you gently ask this kid if he's alright, or if he needs any help. No answer. You take a step closer and tap his shoulder gently and repeat your questions. He turns around and just stares at you. Kids can be creepy sometimes, but this stare makes your stomach drop as you realize he's not normal. Taking a couple steps back, you then start to move to the side around the kid, never breaking his gaze. Then he starts to reach out. Finally, listening to your instincts, you scream and break into a full run out into the open field as fast as you can. 
anything to get away from that ghostly child. Public parks are meant as an open space where children can run and play. Adults can lounge about, go on dates, have a picnic, or even a nap. And finally, where teenagers can usually find a shadowy corner for mo more alone time from their parents. The shady trees and ambient noise of nature can make a park popular as it is a small, small escape from the city surrounding it. However, not all parks have the most cozy feeling to them, as there have been those whose paths have a haunting feeling to them. My name is Muriel, and today I'm exploring a few of the haunted parks that are quite popular, despite their history as well as the reports of something not being quite right. Our first park is in the state of Connecticut. In 1796, Eliza Andrus settled into the area near Blackridge River with a few of his religious followers and built several mills in the area for the community. As the years went by, this settlement became known as Factory Hollow and grew to around 25 families that resided in that area. Unfortunately, the mills burned down through the years following the War of 1812. Several of the families had moved into the area, had the last name of Gay, which led to the park area now being called Gay City. And in 1943, when the last of the descendants sold the park to the state, giving it the name Gay City State Park, various ruins, foundations, and even a few tombstones all remain within the park itself as ghostly reminders of the past. But those might not be the only reminders that exist, as visitors fish from the pond, go hiking, or even camp on the site. It is best not to be alone when hiking through the wooded area, though, as visitors have reported strong sensations of being watched as they go along the pathway, even seeing black figures when they turn to see who's there. Sometimes nothing is seen at all, but Footsteps are heard as they try to hurry along their hike. Another is of children laughing as they walk past the little cemetery that exists. The interesting thing is, this report states that they were the only ones in the park that morning. It may be wise to use a little caution when exploring the natural beauty this location has to offer. Next, we'll travel just a, so a short distance to the west to Watertown, New York, where in 1899, the industrialist John C. Thompson donated land that became the Thompson Park. Today, the park has a zoo, a monument to the soldiers of the 10th Mountain Division, and even a golf course, but that's not what makes it interesting. Reports of Bigfoot being sighted in the area has also increased in the recent years, as well as UFO encounters. Though, the one oddity that has consistent reports throughout the years is a vortex that exists. The vortex is an anomaly of energy that has been theorized as an area where fabric of space and time has been weakened, and it causes people to disappear while just out walking as though they walked through a stargate, but it was one unseen. While it seems odd this phenomena isn't more well known with people disappearing, 
that's because the majority of the people actually return. The returning travelers have always returned in a different area, feeling disoriented and even confused. Some have even reported traveling through time. Vigilance is recommended while hiking, but the, vor the vortex can't be seen with the naked eye, so you never know if you'll suddenly be transported a distance away or even time travel. Our final park takes us further to the west, the beauty, beautiful wilds in one of the four corner states. The story starts in 1858 when General William Larimer jumped on the St. Charlestown Company claim and decided to establish his own city. As with any city, a place to lay the dead to rest was needed. In November of 1858, Larimer set aside 320 acres for what became Mount Prospect Cemetery. The first person was buried there in 1859, and it grew, with people of all walks of life being buried on this land. There were mausoleums and plots for the rich, middle-class society graves were also present, and on the outskirts there were mass graves for the poor members of society such as vagrants and criminals. Larimer eventually left what became known as the city of Denver, and the cemetery was claimed by the aspiring undertaker, John Wally. Under his care, or lack thereof, the cemetery fell into disrepair with overgrown grass, weeds, and even headstones had toppled over. Such disrespect. The U.S. government came in a few years later, in 1872, and determined that the cemetery was on federal land, so the city of Dem they offered the city of Denver to purchase it for about $200. That's uh, close to $6,000 in today's money. They also changed the name to Denver City Cemetery. A few years later, the cemetery had fewer and fewer new graves that were added to it resulting in the land being claimed by the city and decided who decided to turn it into a park in 1890. The name was Congress Park. Although not all the land was converted, there was a small 40-acre lot sold to the archdiocese due to the number of graves that were Roman Catholic in that section. They gave the residents there whose family members were buried a 90-day period to remove the graves and relocate them somewhere else. The unclaimed graves, mostly those of paupers and criminals, still needed to be moved though after this was through. So a contract was awarded to an undertaker by the name of E.P. McGovern, who was then paid to transfer those buried to the Riverside Cemetery. He didn't do this for free though. In fact, the city paid him $1.90 or around $30 today, per coffin to be moved. As the work began in 1893, McGovern provided a new box for each body, but he figured out a way to make money off the city of Denver. Since he was being paid per coffin, McGovern decided to use child-sized coffins and fit the deceased in them by cutting up the bodies to make them fit. Whatever parts did not fit in the coffin, they'd just get put into another and a single body could be separated into even three coffins. 
This added up to more coffins being filled than bodies that were remaining. It's because of this oddity and the work of a journalist at the Denver Republican that we know of this story because on March 19th, 1893, the front page headline read, The Work of Ghouls. Full details of what McGovern was doing to the bodies and of the dead that needed to be moved were published in the article. This prompted an investigation that was made by the health commissioner, which resulted in McGovern's contract being terminated with the city. While the contract was once again open for anyone to move the bodies to Riverside Cemetery, it was never awarded to anyone else. You can see where this is leading to. In 1894, construction began to help create the park as an unknown bodies were still buried beneath it. In 1902, the graves that had been left were filled in with shrubs for beautifying. Even a marble pavilion for Denver Pioneer was donated for visitors to see as they walked the trails. Though, as a condition of this donation, the park was renamed in his honor, and so Cheeseman Park was officially open to the public. This may feel like the end of the story, but we've only just done an abbreviated history of this land. Stories of the paranormal began to pour out of visitors and even residents who live near the park. The most common accounts are from the residents, as they claim confused and often sad-looking spirits would show up to knock on their windows and doors. Also included were ghostly moans coming from the ground where the bodies are still buried. As one walks through the park, though, reports of sadness and even dread are said to come over a person unexplainably while they are simply trying to enjoy themselves. It does appear that those who remained are unhappy their graves are walked or picnicked, picnicked upon as they try to enjoy their eternal rest. However, not all the ghostly residents are sad. It appears the children enjoy running around and playing, as reports of them have often been made, but they seem to disappear before the night time, only to return the following day. Thank you for joining me on our little outing in the park today. It was most delightful, but also a bit of a cautionary tale to be careful as you're wandering through the scenery as you never know who or what will be watching you follow me on instagram at ariel explorers and if you are enjoying these episodes please leave a comment either here on the website or social media posts for this episode all sources can be found in the episode description Music is from Pixabay and was composed by Fanchi Sanchez. Research and script were done by myself, Amirio. I look forward to our next adventure. Until then, safe exploring, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>